from Hollywood, California at the world-famous improv, it's the Nighttime Show! With us as always, our head writer and producer, Matt Walker. I'm the voice of the Nighttime Show, Mike Black. Our very special guest today, star of Carlito's Way, Journey 2, and Boogie Nights, Mr. Luis Guzman. And now, the host of our show. He's so delightful, he doesn't need to make porn. Put your hands together at home for a social distance welcome, Mr. Stephen Kramer Glickman. <laughs> yes, I, I have not made any porn, sadly, <laughs> sadly. Um, Sadly. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for doing the show, man. This is awesome. Yeah, well, happy to be here, man. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a it's an honor. Um, you have such a phenomenal career, and you've you've worked so much. Where did you grow up? Where Where are you originally from? Uh, I was born in Puerto Rico, but um, I grew up in in uh, New York City. Uh, my family lived in Chelsea and Greenwich Village in the 60s. And then in the 70s, we moved to the Lower East Side. Oh, wow, man. Did, mm-hmm. uh, when, when you were uh, growing up, what type of work did your family do? Uh, my mother, uh, she was a worker in the garment district. And my dad was a TV repairman. Oh, my God. Oh, that's a job that doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, 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 we were the first family on our block with a color TV. Nice. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, well, because, you know, yeah. after 30 days, you don't pick your TV up. Uh, <laughs> then, you know, do whatever they want. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Do you have uh, brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have a brother, um, my brother Benny, my sister Millie from my mother's side, and then my friend, I mean, my brother... Roberto and Joaquin from my father and Joaquin in Puerto Rico. So I'm the oldest, man. I'm like, you're talking to the black sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what it was like when you first saw Color TV? Like, were you excited about that? Um, I was very excited. Um, here's the funny part. So I invited all my friends upstairs, and we were all like in awe. Yeah. You know, we were in awe. So, like, a couple of days later, one of my buddies that I had bought up said, yo, we just got a color TV, too. So we run down to his apartment, and his color TV was black and white, but then they threw this color oh, the film. kind of gel over it. And I looked at him and said, man, that's not even real color TV. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's so great. That is fantastic. Yeah, that was like a but thing I that you believe, used to do. I didn't, yeah. I, I, I didn't believe they they really did have gels back in the day. Yeah, I, I, I remember had, that. I totally remember I, that. I had one as a kid where there was like a show you would watch and then you would draw stuff on the gel with a crayon <laughs> as like a thing on the screen and then you'd wipe it off later so you'd reuse it on the next episode. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, so you grew up 400 years ago. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all Pretty did. Matt, Matt is old as fuck, for sure. <laughs> I remember the two different knobs on the TV, yeah. and one of them that changed the channel, and the other one, no one knew what the fuck it did. <laughs> it, it, Yo, but it had about, like 100 how, numbers on it. How, how, about, how about when the knob to change the TV didn't work and you have to change it with pliers. Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Remember that? I, yeah. I was the youngest, so I was the remote control <laughs> for my family doing that stuff. I, I went to go visit uh, one time, uh, I'll just tell us very quickly, but I went one time to Canada to visit some family when I was very young and uh, I found out that my uncle had porn 
in his basement in in a closet, like porn tapes. And so I stole one of the porn tapes. And I brought it upstairs uh, to my grandparents' house because they lived on the second floor. And I, I thought I'd go into like a you know one of the rooms, close the door, and like play the porn tape so I could see what pornography was. And because uh, I, I heard there was gonna be ladies in it, you know, I was excited about the ladies. And so I uh, I try to put the tape in, but it was a Betamax tape. And it was a VHS. Oh, they no. had a VHS machine. And so I was like, Betamax. And so then I, I went to my grandfather and said, uh, hey, we need to go buy one of those new Betamax machines. And he was like, oh, I heard that people aren't using those anymore. And I was like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> we have to go get one right now. And and he uh, he wouldn't do it. So then I took, I was afraid to go back down to the basement and risk getting in trouble. So I took the porn tape and I shoved it into a metal box on the side of the, uh, the, the, the wall thinking that it was, I didn't know what it was. It was the radiator uh, and it uh, melted to the heat, to the, to the hot to the inside of the ra- of the radiator. Oh, oh the radiator. The radiator. Yeah. And we call yeah. it radiator in, in At Canada. first I thought you were saying that radiator was the name of the porn. And I was like, well, he's like part rat, part gladiator. Yeah, what I is this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Well, I'll tell you I'll tell you about my first year of college, right? Please. Okay. My freshman year, I went to City College in uh, New York City up in Harlem. And and so I'm a freshman, I'm just there a few weeks and so they had like a student club you know and so every wednesday they have they have a, a double a double uh dip movie you know they show two movies yeah so you know one of my boys said yo man they're showing two really cool movies today man um why don't you come and say what, what, what's the movie uh well they're showing uh deep throat and the devil and mr jones <laughs> and, I, and i go shit man i heard about those man and I went, and here we are, a freshman in the school cafeteria, <laughs> watching Deep Throat and the Devil and Mrs. Jones. Wow. <laughs> that is a cool college. <laughs> yeah. It was insane. How wow. crazy was that in a group, like with other students and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I don't know what kind of drugs people want, but... <laughs> It was like really quiet in there. And, and were you acting at that time? Had, had you started acting in in school by then? Um, man, the only acting I had done was uh, in high school. My senior year, I did Bye Bye Birdie because mm-hmm. it was a school musical that year, and awesome. um, that was the only thing I did. And uh, um, and then when I was in college. Um, I was doing street theater. Oh, and street theater, street theater more than anything was a favor to the different people that I knew that they would write something Mm -hmm. and and they would ask me, would you play these eight man characters? So I would, we, we, there'd be a black party or a street festival and we set up a outdoor theater right there in the middle of the street, you know? Wow. But you got to understand, at that time, I wasn't even pursuing wanting to become an actor. We just... It was just for the favor. That I did as a hobby. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, my I, 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 was, I was an activist on the Lower East Side. I became a social worker. Um, I, I worked with young people, with teenagers. Um, and it was 
pretty much after. It, it was like 10 years. I, I did a movie called Short Eyes mm-hmm. yeah. back in 1976. I was 20 years old. And I didn't do anything again till 1986, like 10 years later, which happened to be Miami Vice. That was like my real introduction to the business. Yeah. And that was a total accident. Mm-hmm. Because the guy that wrote Short Eyes, 10 years later, he's writing on Miami, Miami Vice, Miguel Pinero, and I ran into him one day. And he said, hey, I'm doing a show, and they're coming to New York, and they're going to be looking for people. And um, gave me a phone number, went to Bonnie Timmerman's office, and uh, I got me a co-starring role in Miami Vice. I had no clue what I was doing. Wow, that's and so I, cool. All I wanted to get out of it was enough money to buy me a used car. I can drive to the beach on the weekends and not have to take the train and the bus. Oh, my <laughs> God. What was your experience on Miami Vice like? Um, I was I was in awe. Uh, my very first take was with Don Johnson and uh, uh, Michael, um, Thomas. Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, after the first take, Don Johnson walks off set. And... Uh, the director, Paul Michael Granger, comes up to me and goes, you know, you know, you stepped in his light. <laughs> oh, and, I go, no. and I go, I, 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 did, I, did, I did what? <laughs> said, you stepped in his light. So he waves his hand and he says, see that? That's his light. Don't step into his light again. And that was like my very, the very first thing wow. I did. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man, oh, man. Your career almost ended after one take. <laughs> no man, I mean it was all good, you know. <laughs> but but you uh, know, like when you're when you're in the beginning of your career and 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 going and doing these first jobs, you see stuff it's like really you know, crazy it, it, like that. You yeah. learn so much. Like you see somebody. I remember seeing someone on CSI uh, when I was like doing like extra work a bajillion years ago, where they couldn't remember their lines. The guy just couldn't remember a, a couple of lines of dialogue and they were working and working and working it. And I remember thinking like, Oh my God, like even at the top level, you're yeah. still, you know, even on a big giant show, you're still making mistakes. Like, did, did you, yeah, uh, it's, not, it's, it's not that you make mistakes, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. You do make, you do make mistakes. Yes. But you know what happens sometimes our brain and the way we're wired, you know, sometimes when you get your, script and you look at the dialogue, sometimes your brain will not process something the way it's written because your brain is so used to saying it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Right. You see? Yeah. And so sometimes people get stuck like that. Yeah. You know? But you also got to understand, you know, when sometimes you work on these shows and you go from doing a two-page scene on, uh, on page two and four and then next up is page 35 through 39. That's four yeah. pages. And then later on, you're on page 56 to 61, which is, you know, and so you ain't got that much time. Yeah. To like, to like you know, and so you got you to understand, you got to forget everything that you had just did and now relearn something totally brand new. Yeah, and you're Even focusing on you, that when... Yeah. There, even though, no one tells you about even, someone else's light, you know. Yeah, yeah, but you know it happens. We're human. Yeah, you know, and I've I've worked with the best of them. I've seen it happen. It's no, you know, and and 
Yeah, more than anything, I try to be comforting to people. Say, yo, don't worry, you know, we'll get this. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I've been in that position too. That's you know? awesome. Think, yeah, so, I, you know, it's just, we're, we're human, you know, we're human, you know. Um, you can't tell me how many times you drove down the same street to that same stop sign and there had never been a time that you blew right past it and you said, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. Yep. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ain't that the totally. truth? Um, okay. There's, there's a... Uh, a couple, uh, a couple early films of yours that I, I have to, I, I got to mention uh, that you know roles of of some stuff that you did. Uh, Batteries not included. You, I know you you jumped in on there to do something, and then Crocodile Dundee two. Um, these are you know Black Rain. These are like like bigger and bigger films. You can well, let me tell you about Batteries not included. Please. So batteries not included was being filmed that summer, and they were filming right in front of my building, <clears throat> and right across the street was the holding. So I had already done Miami Vice and stuff. I happened to have been on vacation, so um, I found out that um, they were looking for, you know, stag a- extras. Because I didn't have a role in that movie. So I asked the guy, so how much are they paying a day for SAG extras? And the guy said, we're paying 150 a day for SAG extras. <laughs> I go, oh, shit. All right, cool. I think I make a nice $750 mm-hmm. while I'm on vacation. So in between takes and what they didn't need me, I just go up to my apartment and hang out. <laughs> and look out the window when I thought that they're ready. So that was like, that was like a, I, I came in through the back door of that one. Yeah. yeah, that's something I'm very proud of. But you know, back in those days, I was doing the hustle, and back in those days, seven hundred and fifty dollars for just hanging out and getting free lunch for a whole week. You know, you're not going to pass that up. I would that's still awesome. take that deal. Absolutely, <laughs> any any day of the week, I would take that deal. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah. You know that that yeah. that, that, that then, hustle you know, I, is I did, no joke. I, I did I did come crocodile Dundee too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I went to Australia. We were in the outback. Um, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, it was freaky because um, we were in the outback. They built an encampment for us. Oh, so the wow. very first night that the very first night that we're there, the park ranger shows up. Yeah. And he's about to tell us about where we're at and stuff like that. So he he goes to us. So I just want you to know, you are the guests here. You are the animals. Yeah. The animals that are out there, at the other side of the fence, they are the residents. Yeah. You are the visitors. So, so he goes, of the 20 most poisonous snakes in the world, <laughs> 17 live in Australia. Oh, oh my God. And I'm like, oh I'm God. like, okay. <laughs> Oh, of the 20 most poisonous spiders in the world, 17 in the <laughs> No. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, so, so there he goes, so if you get bit by one of these venomous creatures, mm-hmm. by the time you call here to your loved ones back in the state, you'll probably be gone. But be oh very careful. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Shit like shit. that, yeah. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. Wow. I, I don't know if I could say that, but you can say whatever oh, yeah, you want. You can, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> All right, cool. And um, but it was a great experience, man. I never seen. I used to see like like schools of cockatoos, like by the hundreds in different colors every morning: white, black, green, brown, oh, rainbow. Man. I used to see freaking crocodiles, you know, in the lagoon right in front of the house. Mm-hmm. You know, that is so and it cool. It looked like a log. And then 15 minutes later, you come back out and that log is gone. So. Oh, <laughs> my God. That log ate oh, somebody. Yes. <laughs> did, you, did, you get you know, to, but, did you get to spend a lot of time around Paul Hogan? Yeah, Paul was great. Paul's a great man. Um, he, did, he did such a beautiful job of taking care of us. Um, he was very, very giving, uh, very nurturing. Um, one, day, one day, the helicopter pilot, had to go gas up, and I'm sitting next to Paul. At lunch, he goes, do you want to take a cut? It was my day off, and um, I will come in for lunch because there's nothing to do in the outback. <laughs> and, he to Paul, and Paul goes to me, you want to take a ride in the helicopter, go get some uh, gas, petrol? And I go, yeah, yeah, sure. Man, that helicopter pilot, we were flying over the rivers. They were like 10 feet off the ground because it's all flat. Wow. And man, there were, there were these crocodiles and they were like snapping up <laughs> the helicopter, you know? And then we go down this field and we come around this this hill. And when we come around this hill, like, I'm not kidding you guys, like 10,000 wild horses. And they just oh. take off running. They call them Brumbies. Yeah. Brumbies there. And it was like, like, you know, I was having my National Geographic moment. That it was sounds amazing. so amazing. Oh yeah, God. yeah. And, and and like I said, Paul Paul was a very generous man. He took care of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. He did the right thing. So was know. was that your first experience as really sort of being one of the stars in a movie, like where you sort of felt – like because like say Miami Vice was like probably pretty small and then, you know, you sort of snuck into uh, – through the back door to, to uh, Batteries Not Included. But like was this the first time where you're like, wow, I'm – like they flew me to Australia. I'm doing a movie. I'm on set all the time. Is that like sort of your first time really feeling a part of the business in that way? Um, no, no, because because like I was just – I was like pretty much a piece of furniture in that movie. You know, I, I was there more for presents than I was for acting. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. you know you need a four bad guys. So I thought I fit the bill. But <laughs> I think I think when I really first felt that way was when I did a movie called Q and A that was directed by Sidney Lamette. Oh wow! And um, and I was it, it was an ensemble piece. Uh, Nick Nolte, Timothy Hutton, Armand Asante. Charles Dutton. Oh, that's a great um, cast. Patrick, Patrick, Patrick O'Neill, uh, Paul Calderon. You know, wow. and I was, I was like, I was like the new kid on the block, mm-hmm. and 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 that was the first time, and you know, and you're working with Sidney Lamet, who is legendary. Yeah. You know, um, I love Sidney. Uh, he taught me a lot. You know, in the time that I got to work with him, and. Um, that that's when I kind of said, "Oh wow, this could this could really go somewhere," you know. Um, and um, and then a few years later, I did Calito's way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh, and, and when I did Calito's way, I kind of knew I was like on the cusp, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I put it to you this way: it took me 
it took me literally like maybe 15, 15 years just for me to say, oh, wow, I'm really good, you know? Yeah. Because I felt like I never really truly, in the beginning, I was always finding my way. Mm-hmm. Finding my way, you know, um, uh, kind of molding myself into the craft of acting, you know, learning about working with other people, with directors, learning about lighting, about sound, you know, um, and and so, you know, um, like I said, it, it took me a while to realize, oh, wow, you're really good, you know? And I think the film that did that for me, I, I forgot which film it was, it could have been, it could have been Boogie Nights, actually, mm-hmm. you know? You really stood out Boogie. in Boogie Nights in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, the film closes with you, if I remember correctly. It, I gotta see it again, but if it did, <laughs> I think yeah. they, it I ends think on you like did. planning your new club. Like, oh, yeah. that's right. When they yeah. when they uh, wrote the wrong name to to my club, right? Yeah, and that's a big deal in an ensemble to have it close on on your scene. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, let me tell you, man. Um, that was probably one of the most phenomenal movies. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. that's, that's, we're, you know, uh, Boogie Nights is like late 90s. And mm-hmm. when that, when that came out with, you know, Mark Wahlberg was like top of the world, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Julianne Moore was like, you know, one of the, she was like right up there. And you're, ladies. and you're right there, right in the center of it, right? You know, you're with Burt Reynolds, you're with all these amazing John C. Riley, Don Cheadle, and you hold your own, like, you're so you're so funny in it. Not and just, only that, yeah, it's such yeah, a heavy movie. It you're is getting all these laughs consistently throughout, and it works though. It works with the whole theme of the film. It's really a, a standout, you know. Yeah, well, no, listen, man, I I tip my hat to Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, a phenomenal writer, a phenomenal visionary uh, director, um, and then we also had an incredible crew. That worked on this movie because they had to really bust their ass, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then, of course, the cast that you mentioned. You know, yeah. so we had we had all the we had the the, the right chemistry yeah. going into that movie. And again, for me, like I said, it was something that I was very proud, extremely proud of. And um, um, you know that 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 to me is a huge feather in my cap. I think so. Know? Yeah, and then you went from that to working on Oz, um, where you had a nice story arc on Oz around that same time. Was that before or after Boogie Nights when you filmed that? Um, that was right after Boogie Nights. Yeah. So how different was that going into like episodic television like that from being mostly on movie sets before that? Yeah, like, especially a show like Oz. Um, well, honestly, I never thought of it as episodic TV. Mm-hmm. I, just, I, I always just think of it as work. Okay. You know, to me it's work. And so, you know, when I first showed up, showed up on Oz, I'll never forget my first day of shooting. Remember the the guy that played out of BC? Yes. The guy with the... With How the, did they uh, get the hat on the side of his head? That's what I want to know. Okay, 20 years that, later. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I have to sign a disclaimer. On this, <laughs> but, <clears throat> but so my very first take, I'm talking 
to the guy that's in front of me, but Adebisi is standing right behind him, mm-hmm. and he's looking at me, right? And honestly, you know, I had seen maybe two episodes at that time, mm-hmm. and I was blown away. I actually called my agent to say, you know, call those producers. I want to be on that show. Yeah. And that's how that came about, you know, Tom Fontana. If, if you saw two episodes, you probably saw 17 murders in two episodes. Uh, uh, 18. 18. <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, they got me into any Anyway, I'm doing my very first scene, and Adam B.C. walks right behind the guy I'm talking to, and he's looking at me. And, I, and, and, and I'm looking at the guy, and I say my line, and I see Adam B.C. look at me, I said, what the fuck are you looking at? Without me even mm-hmm. realizing that this, he's probably the most murderous dude yeah. in the land of Oz. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And and here's the funny thing. Um, I, did, I did three years of Oz. I did three mm-hmm. years. So, um, what happened was uh, Steven uh, uh, Soderbergh, he had sent me a, a script for uh, the movie Traffic. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I read it, and, you know, I had already done Out of Sight with him, mm-hmm. you know, and we really hit it off well. And so I went to Tom Fantana and said, hey, Tom, I really want to do this movie. And, and he goes, fine. So the only way you get off Oz is you got to get killed. Yeah. <laughs> so so my, my only request to Tom Fantana was anybody can kill me. But it had a beastie. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> so I ended up getting killed by an eighty-year-old guy. I got yeah. shanked me in the neck. <laughs> oh. You know? oh yeah, I remember Not that. Not a now. bad death. No. Not a bad death. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then yeah. you went on and you did uh, Magnolia. I think right before Traffic, or, or around the same time. Uh, I think Magnolia was. Right after traffic. Okay, and traffic. I mean, that's huge. Traffic you know, Oscar-nominated, unbelievable, amazing film. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and I based mean, on a, a British miniseries that I watched, actually, it's a uh, really yeah, good. Yeah. Well, you know, um, my God, Jason Robards, man, pretty much. Um, uh, he was on his deathbed, and he was doing that role. Mm. You know, Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm-hmm. who was playing his nurse. You know. Yeah. Um, Probably Tom, one of Tom Cruise's best performances, you know. And yeah. again, it was such a you know Julianne Moore, and it, it was it was just a great ensemble. And that was the act. breakout for Benicio del Toro, who now has gone on to be a huge star. But I mean, that was like sort of traffic. America's first introduction to him. Wait, oh, traffic, traffic, oh, traffic, traffic, yeah, traffic, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm over there saying, wait, Benicio yeah. was yeah. <laughs> <No>. well, <laughs> Mixing up the movies there, yeah. I mean, not to be jumping across to more Paul Thomas Anderson, but uh, I just rewatched Punch Drunk Love a couple uh, a couple yeah. weeks ago. I, I think it's Adam Sandler's best performance in any movie that he's ever done, and you're so great with him. Like, what was he What was he like to, to work with on, on that film? Um. Adam Sandler, to me, is a champion, you know, um, because he he was working in a different element, you know. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't uh, an element that, you know, it, it gets a different element, you know, but he trusted Paul, you know, and and um, and I tell you, man, I was I was so 
so proud of Adam because every day he would show up. He would, you know, and, and you know, if he had to do 10, 15 takes, whatever, you know, he would go in with the energy. He would make whatever adjustments. He would do great. Then, then Paul says, okay, give me one more. And Adam would give him one more. And then Adam would say, let me give you another one. And they would play that ping pong stuff back and forth, you know? Yeah. And, um, so he was, he was really, really giving. And, and you, I'll tell you what, man. Um, uh, when I first watched the movie, after five minutes in, I totally forget that I'm watching Adam Sandler. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's how great of a performance he got. That you actually felt bad. You felt sorry for the. Uh, the 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 moment with his sisters where they're all giving him shit in front of the girl yeah. that he's interested in, yeah. and he yeah. smashes yeah. all the windows with a hammer. I was like, I I have never felt so uh, on board with, with the <laughs> right. character. I was like, oh, I completely understand everything that's happening here. Like, it's so good. It's so fucking good. Yeah, man. And like, and like I said, you know, Emily Watson. Oh, she's um, so great too. She was great in it. You know, of course, Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm-hmm. you know, um, everybody. And like I say, you know, again, man, Paul is such such a gifted writer-director, man. And, and you know, like I said, Adam, you know, um, I, I was proud of him. I know he got nominated for the Academy Award for that, you know. So he did well. He did really well. And I'm, to this day, I'm really proud of him. And. To this day, Adam and I are, are a really good friends. Hey, Steve, do you know what time it is? Uh, is it time for a Neft vodka moment? I believe it is. <laughs> you know, at Neft, they say, life is a story, make it a good one. And the nighttime show is all about great stories, mm-hmm. uh, especially behind-the-scenes stories. So, Matt, what is a behind-the-scenes story about the nighttime show well, most people won't know? One of my favorites is we went to Ed Asner's house. Seven-time Emmy winner Ed Asner went to his house to interview him, and uh, we sit down, and he pulls out an enormous knife like Crocodile Dundee has never seen, and he says, you better make this a good question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so good. What the hell? It was so amazing. It was so great. Oh, I could have used a drink after that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Especially a drink of Neft Vodka. Uh, Neft Vodka is a small batch vodka with a taste as memorable as its container. Uh, the container is so cool. It's this portable, unbreakable barrel. I mean, you know when you go to like a, a, a pool, like a fun pool party, a lot of times glass is not allowed at the pool or at the beach. This is solves that problem it's this insulated steel barrel will keep the neft vodka cold for up to six hours it was inspired in siberia distilled in austria and it has won a ton of awards here in america uh go check it out go get one right now buy neftvodka.com that's buy neftvodka.com it's buy N-E-F-T, vodka.com. Go check it out right now and uh, get your drink on. All right, let's get back to the show. Look, I got to bring up two. There are two films uh, that I have to bring up because we got a lot. We posted on Facebook that we were going to get to talk with you today. And both of these got brought up. The Count of Monte Cristo and The Adventures of Pluto Nash. 
Is okay. there from either of these? Is there a moment that you remember that you were just like any any stories from the set from either of these that you, that you'd be down to share? Yeah, well, when I did the Count of Monte Cristo, you know, yes. and um, so so I, so you know, I flew to Ireland, and um, I had just finished doing a, a, a movie with uh, with uh, Steve Buscemi and Dennis Leary in New York, and I got a call from Kevin Reynolds. He introduced himself. I'm doing the Count of Monte Cristo. I'm in the Bronx, in the South Bronx, and. You know, he, he, he's in Europe calling me, I would love for you to do this movie, you're my guy, blah, blah. I go, cool, great. So um, I last read The Count of Monte Cristo, I think, in the 11th grade, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And um, and uh, I vaguely remembered it, but I read the script and refreshed my mind. I said, oh, great, yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great role and stuff like that. So I flew to Ireland. And I'll never forget, I got into the car, you know, they sent production center driver for me and everything. Uh, it's a 45-minute drive into Dublin. And the guy is talking to me perfect, perfect, perfect English. Mm-hmm. I do not know what the fuck he's saying. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like Gaelic or something. It was like, 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 yeah, that the strong Irish upload. accent. Oh, yeah, man. And all I could say was, uh-huh, yes, I hear you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but um, so, you know, I get there, and um, and uh, I'm, I'm meeting all the actors, the production team. I'm there for a week, you know, and I noticed everybody has, you know, Irish-English accents. And so I'm already saying, okay, so I got to duplicate that. Okay, let me see. So my very first day of working, my first take, Kevin Reynolds halfway through the scene, I was cut. He said, Louis, come here, I want to talk to you. So he takes me to the side. We take a walk. He goes, can you, can you explain to me what you're doing? I said, I'm done. I'm doing my character. I said, yeah, no, no, no. What, what are you doing with your language, your speech? What is that? So I'm just trying to duplicate the accent because you're the only actor in this movie that does not have to do that. <laughs> and they said, no, you're a pirate. You're probably from Spain. You know? Yeah. Don't oh sweat God. it. <laughs> Don't sweat it. Can I tell you how much I love hearing that? Oh, I can't you know? even imagine. <laughs> oh, man. That but, must have um, been the biggest relief ever. Oh, yeah, man, because, you know, it's like, it's like, when you work with these Irish English actors, man, they are phenomenal. They are extremely talented, you know. But I'm not, I'm not classically trained like that, you know. Yeah. I'm a, um, but nonetheless, you know, it was a great experience. You know, that one moment when I introduced the count in yes. the movie, yes. and all the fireworks go off and he come down in the hot air balloon. Yeah. That's when I felt like, yeah, this is it. Boom. You were so good in that part. I vividly remember seeing in the theater a moment where you said the line, boss, you're going to be so proud of me. And me and my friend both cracked up because it was such a funny turn of phrase. And we have been saying that to each other ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Like whenever we do anything good, we go, boss, you're going to be so proud of me. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to watch it again. You know. Yeah. I gotta. Yeah. I, gotta I gotta pick up all these little lines. You know. So yeah, great. you're and terrific then, um, in that and, movie. Thank you. And then, um, and then Pluto Nash. Pluto Nash was a very interesting movie. Oh, oh, yeah, that's one way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, it was a very, it was a very interesting movie to me because the movie had an all-star cast to it. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was a hundred and thirty-five million dollar movie wow. at the time. Damn. And I think it made like six million dollars at the box office. Shit. You know, <laughs> but 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 lucky for me, I I didn't take that hit. You know. No. Yeah. I just yeah. showed up. I did my role. I love my role. It was funny. I got I got to uh, engage myself with. With Eddie Murphy, who to me is a phenomenal, phenomenal performer oh, yeah. in his own right. Um, and um, yeah, man, you know, I did that, and you know, but you know, I guess, I guess, what I got out of it was the experience of uh, having an opportunity again to work with someone great like Eddie Murphy, and and uh, at the time it was Ariel Dawson, you know, so. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, that's that's such a that's that's one of those one of those movies that's like kind of crazy. It's kind of a crazy, you know, film. So I appreciate you, uh, you know, you know, you even talking about it. Um, we we wanted to bring up the sitcom that was your sitcom. It was your show. Right. Right. How, yeah, please do. How did that? How did that come yeah. to be? How did how did you end up uh, getting your own uh, your own sitcom? How did that end up working out? Well, my manager and my agent set up a pitch meeting at Fox. We went in, we pitched it, and um, they 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 agreed to do it. I went through a whole day of meeting showrunners, and I ended up picking up picking a dude named um, Will Gluck at the end. Um, I, I I have a tendency of when I work with people, um, I like to work with a fresh face, you know? Yeah. Um, um, so I did that. I, I, we, did, we did 10 episodes of the show. At the time, I, at that time, I think my show probably was one of the most diverse shows on TV. I think it you know? still is one of the most in history. Yeah. 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 I mean, we had Malcolm Barrett. We had Charlie Day yeah. on that show. Love those you guys. You know? Um, um, I'll tell you a funny story about Malcolm in a second. Oh, he's, he's he's been a, on our show. Yeah, we he's been him. on our show. We interviewed him. Yeah, no, I'll, but, but I got, I'll he's, tell you, give me, I, I don't want to lose my thought, and, and, and I don't mean to be rude. No, no, of course. But, um, so um, we did ten episodes of the show, you know, and and um, you know, like three, four episodes in, I'm not gonna lie to you guys, but I, I became like really disappointed with the writing of that show because I, I like I like I like to do good comedy, honest comedy, and, and this was my first time working on the show. That is like every four or five lines, it has to be a joke. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and I don't I don't mind that as long as the jokes are really good, you know. 
Yeah. And so, and so what happened was, I will get like next week's script uh, on, on Thursday. So we, you know, mm-hmm. and so I would read the script over lunch. I would go into my showrunner's office and say, dude, I don't find this funny. And then I would hear stuff like, well, this is what the network approved. And I go, are you kidding me? You know, because I have, I, I think I have a pretty good sense of comedy and yeah. sense of humor. Yeah. And I felt, and I felt that it was, it was not being, it was not being really tapped into the way I wanted it to. You know, of course, I'm at the mercy of like, well, you know, you get three, four episodes into shooting this and all this and all that. So, you know, my manager and my agent, they told me to stay put. So we got through it. But like I said, you know, listen, I was very proud. I had a very diverse crew and a very diverse cast. You know, um, I only wish I had a diverse writing room. Yeah. You know, and I felt that that was a problem because, you know, this is this is a show about a family from New York City from Spanish Harlem, you know? Yeah. And I felt that the writing room did not reflect that, you know? Yeah, and that's a big it's a problem. Big, that really yeah. is. It really is. It, it's a big problem, you know? So I'll never forget, toward the end, um, um, I had a, I got a new script, and I'm going out on a date with this girl. And so my ex-wife, Within the show, she asks me, "Where are you going for your date?" And I go, "Oh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to Kitty Land for some uh, uh, cat juice." And so I walk into the writers' room. And I go, "Dude, cat juice? Yeah. What What is that cat juice? <laughs> yeah. You know." And yeah. so, you know, um, at, at that at that at that at that point, I was pretty disillusioned. Um, I was proud that I was doing the show. I was proud of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I was proud that I got an opportunity to represent my community and stuff like that. But, you know, again, I just felt that they didn't, they really missed the mark as far as really being able to capture my comedy. Yeah. W- you would, you, would you want to do a show again with, now that you're even uh, more established than you were at the time, do you think now you might have the clout to be like, hey, this is what the writer's room needs to be. Let's get the right people in there who can really oh, write. absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because I would love to see that. And I that think, would be great. like, there's a lot of talk about uh, diversity. And I, I was talking about this with uh, Felipe Esparza and his wife not that long ago, about the lack of diversity in the Latino community is probably the biggest disparity at all of Hollywood right now. 100%. And that there hasn't been... Like a big Latino sitcom since George Lopez. I mean, Cristela had her show for a little while, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, I I think it would be big. It would do. People want to watch this stuff. I want to watch it, yep. you know. And I think there's well, a, a well, big well, community out there for it. Well, here's here's the funny thing. So when I was doing my show, it was kind of messed up because we were going up against George Lopez. So they had they had two Latin shows at the same time. That's crazy. At the same time oh competing God. against each other. Yeah. What? And it's like, and so I used to do all these junkets and all these interviews and stuff. And so I, it was always the question. So what do you feel competing against George Lopez? And mm-hmm. say, well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't put myself to do this, to compete against George Lopez. Yeah. You know? And, and that's what I used to tell everybody. And it was really unfortunate, you know? Um, 
And then, um, you know, but it is what it is. But, you know, the problem with Hollywood is that the people that make the decisions in those rooms, uh, there's no Latino representation yeah. in those rooms helping to make those decisions. Yeah. You know? That really needs and, to change. And, and, and so that really needs absolutely. You know, there was a, a great show on right now on TV on ABC called The Big and the Beauty, and they canceled it. And it was like, it was like about a Cuban family that owns a bakery shop, and it was a great storyline, mm-hmm. and they canceled it. And it was like, just, just like that, boom. You yeah, know, it and get it's like, of a chance. it doesn't get, you know, and, 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 and I will say this, man, their executives in, in Hollywood that, that, uh, that are not good executives, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and, and, uh, you know, I can't believe that in 2020 that, you know, it's not enough to just have one or two Latinos in a show. Yeah. But it speaks volumes to have a Latino show. Yeah. And there yeah. is one on any any platform. And, and I, think, I think we need a Latino show that comes from a Latino perspective because even a lot of these shows with Latino stars still have a, a largely white male writing room. Like it's still just the same guys that write all the other shows writing the show, and they don't necessarily right. get the community and the references and things. Like I grew up in in a ninety eight percent Hispanic community, so like even though I'm a white person, I get that a little more. But I wouldn't be right for that because I'm still not representative of the community. And I think we need people who are representative of those areas. And there's plenty of talented writers from all these communities Absolutely. we could tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I listen. Um, I did when I was doing the show. Uh, Cold Black, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. So every awesome once in a while, every once in a while, I will get somebody will write like two or three lines for me to say in Spanish. I will go, who the fuck wrote this? <laughs> who wrote this Spanish? Uh-huh. And some, and I'm not kidding you. I would hear shit like, oh, we Googled it. Google does not <laughs> Google Translate. Are you kidding me? Google does not know Spanish. Yeah. This is not, you know, and so... And so that's that's a real dilemma. Yeah, you know. And so um, I think Hollywood really has to get off their ass and wake up, you know, because you know, listen, man, there there, there are plenty of black shows on so many different platforms, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, but like I said, when it comes to a, a Latino show, you know, it's 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 pretty shameful. You know, we yeah. have. We have great we have great Latino comedians who mm-hmm. get their one hour Netflix special and stuff like that, you know. But that's a one hour Netflix special. I mean, you know? I, I mean, look when Cristela Alonso got her own TV show, she had to shoot her pilot on, I believe it was uh, Tim Allen's set. Yeah. from his TV show that he was shooting because they didn't they didn't invest energy into building her a set for her fucking pilot like yeah. it's yeah. it's unbelievable the disrespect is is insane and the market and is there it's it a really is market waiting to be tapped it truly yeah. is yeah yeah it really needs you know to, and, to and, and 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 look, look you know i'm not trying to create a divide what i'm trying to create is an equality yeah, yeah. You know? and 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 that is my perspective because 
you know, I got nothing against white writers, black writers, Asian writers, Latino writers, mm-hmm. avian writers, you know. <laughs> um, my concern my concern is when you're going to do something, please reflect what you're writing about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It reflect- yeah it's got to be authentic. Yeah. You know? yeah. It definitely yeah. does. You know? Hey, uh, real quick before we continue the show, um, I want to talk about a third-generation family-run business that I am very proud to be working with. Uh, Sennheiser is the number one, number top-tier <laughs> microphone uh, company in the mm-hmm. world, and we are so lucky that we are now recording our show using Sennheiser microphones and their headphones. They're, mm-hmm. It's awesome. We're, we're talking into Sennheiser MD42 microphones and using Sennheiser HD25 headphones, and these sound amazing. I mean, listen to Mike Black's voice. Listen to the rich and sumptuous soundscape that comes out of my voice oh. every time I speak into a Sennheiser. Absolutely. Go check out uh, their microphones and their sound equipment over at Sennheiser.com. All right, let's get back to the show. And you've gotten to do some really incredible comedy stuff. I mean, uh, when we posted about this on on Facebook to kind of check in with you know fans and stuff, one of the movies that came up again and again and again and again and again of just people just hashtag Batwing was uh, <laughs> was waiting, yeah, because you're so funny in that movie and that cast is. Insane. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's you and Ryan Reynolds row. and uh, yeah, you and Ryan Reynolds and Anna Ferris and Justin Long and David Koechner and uh, I mean, just it goes on. Alana Ubach. I mean, Andy Milanakis, Dane Cook. You know, these are uh, that's a that's a killer. Like everyone right in their prime. Too. Oh my god! <laughs> you know? And some of them, weirdly, from the time uh, this is just a little fun fact, but um, some like Justin Long was the big star when they started making that movie, and by the time they finished making the movie, Ryan Reynolds was right. was had had kind of blown up. Anna Faris had like blown up because of Scary Movie, because David Ketchner started blowing up. Yeah, because of, of Anchorman. Yeah. And, I mean, you're you are in incredible company and you're so funny in that what was it like um filming that movie oh man it was it was so much fun you know i was like quote unquote the elder statesman you know and (laughs) they had already they had already been shooting a couple of weeks so when i showed up i get all these young cats coming up mine dude you know you're our hero we can't believe you're here you know and 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 you know they paying homage to me and and i'm like really humbled by it all you know and and it was it was just so so good to be there you know with the rest of history he was really cool you know and um and uh you know basically what i ended up doing in that movie i ended up really taking everybody under under my wings you know mm-hmm. yeah um and um and uh, it was really cool um i don't know if you ever heard about the april food joke no, no. And I, so you know that that the scene in the movie where the guy can finally pee and we're on in the bathroom together. <laughs> yes. So when Rob was setting up, that that, was, that happened to happen April Fool's, and so that that morning, Rob and I were trying to figure out, you know, what can we do to get the cat. Yeah. So you know, we're going back with ideas. He comes to me with an idea. 
I call him stupid. Get out of here. That's not a good idea. <laughs> I go to an idea. He calls me stupid. Tells me to get out of here. So finally, what what happens, and it just kind of happened naturally, but we ended up, we were rehearsing that scene. And so right before he goes in, we cuddled up and said, okay, bro, this is what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to insist that I change my line to this. You know? And and then I'm going to refuse to change the line. Mm-hmm. And let's see and let's see what you and I come up with from there. So Love the it. only guy, there was a guy doing behind the scenes. So he was the only other person that knew that was in on it. So we go in and the whole cast is in this little bathroom. And he's telling everybody what to do and say, okay, Louis, so listen, I changed the line for you. And I go, wait, 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 wait. I like my line. What's wrong with my line? No, no, I want you to do this other line. So I read the other line. I said, oh, I don't like that line. I said, well, just do it once for me. I said, no, 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 we're going to do my line first. And then I'll do my line for you. And then he goes, and then he goes, you see something? And then he goes like mumbling to himself, but so everybody can hear it. Like, oh my God, we got a, we got a, we got a, we got an ego problem going on here. And I go, excuse me? What did you say? And he goes, you heard what I said. And I go, let me tell you something, buddy. You know who I've worked with? Who have you worked with? He, he, he told me to say that. Right? Yeah. And, 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 and I go, bro, you're nobody. You're no, I'm doing good time. And, 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 and while this is all going on, you see Justin does not know where to put himself. Yeah. <laughs> Alana is about to start crying. You know, I mean, everybody is like in this little space. And at the end, I said, you know what, bro? Come outside. I'm going to whip your ass. I don't know. And so I walk out. He walks out. And, and the camera guy is still rolling and the yeah. room is totally silent. Rob and I go out the door. I'm not kidding you. We are rolling on the ground, <laughs> laughing real hard. And then we come back in the room together, hand in hand, and we go, April Fool's. <laughs> like, the, the, the weight of the world was lifted on. So, so here's the funny thing. Here's the, so when the movie came out, Rob posted that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rob posted the first half of what we did in the bathroom, right? <laughs> so I start getting all these messages from fans. Uh-huh. Oh, dude, man, you were my favorite actor. Now fuck you. <laughs> you know, oh, shit. I mean, now I mean, fuck you. I mean, I mean, I mean, what an asshole you are, <laughs> you know. I thought you were the coolest dude ever. <laughs> Fuck you. I hope you die. Oh, shit no. like that. Wow. Like, like, yeah, man. And, oh. and it was like a whole day. So I called Rob. I go, Rob, you see what's happening, right? He goes, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Rob, you got to fucking post up. So yeah. I, was, I was coming the back. Part. So he posted, he posted the next day. And then some of those people, oh, dude, you got me, man. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sorry, you know, I got so many fucking stories and, you know. Oh, my but, God. But, but, bro, we got the cast. Like, the cast was sold on the, if you ever run into Justin or anybody, ask him about that. Ask him about <laughs> oh, we will. That, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. That is and if fantastic. You, I think if, you, if, if, if it still exists these days, if you look at the DVD and there's mm-hmm. a whole commentary and, out, and there's an outtake of that at the very end. Wow. 
I'll have to look that and up. They, and then they actually interviewed the cast about that. Wow. You know? Do you still have fans so, yeah. that haven't seen that second part yet and are still, <laughs> still mad at you? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think they all got over it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, a quick thing I want to talk about, uh, Mike Black. I, I think this is uh, something that we we really should talk about, yeah. and uh, it's a um, a company yes. that was founded in 1983 in Tokyo, Japan. Of course, I'm talking about the Zoom Corporation. Zoom. Now, if if it wasn't for Zoom, and Matt knows this, we would not be able to do our show. Um, they make the best audio equipment in the world. Um, we wh- which one are we using right now? We, we're recording onto a Zoom Live Track L8 right now, and when we go do our live events at conventions and stuff, we often use the Zoom H6, and they're both just fantastic pieces of equipment. You plug your microphones in, you plug your headphones in, and you're good to go. Yeah, I mean, whether you're a classically trained pianist or a run and gun filmmaker or a podcaster like uh, you know like us um yep yeah i do a ton of podcasts and i can tell by listening when they're using a zoom and when they're not yeah it's uh, the mark of excellence it yeah. really is uh go check it uh, go check out all their stuff over at zoom-na.com that's zoom-na.com be professional for god's sake zoom-na.com all right okay let's get back to the show um, before we wrap up, uh, a couple a uh, couple of comments of uh, people who have uh, who have written in ab- about you and uh, with questions and things. Uh, first uh, question was from Daniel Lee Stravianski, which was, uh, "How do you feel about becoming a statue at uh, Greendale Community College on the show Community?" I think I think that's a great homage to me. Um, I'm honored. I'm, I'm I'm flattered. I'm humbled by it, and um, I'm, I'm I really hope I can find that statue and bring it home. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, uh, here's another one. Uh, this was um, oh okay no no, no 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 all right all right sorry um, you uh, you worked on the movie The Salton Sea. Um, what was that as intense as it as it looked on screen? being on, on a set like that? Um, it was intense for a number of reasons, but, um, um, you know, DJ Caruso directed that, and, you know, I came in to do my job and um, kind of relieve a little bit of the tension that was going on between the producers and the director and, and Mr. Kilmer. Yeah. You know, so... I had to kind of break the tension. What know? about uh, you worked on one of the best video games of all time? Oh yeah, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Do you have any memories from yeah. that? Uh, yeah, my memories from that was uh, my my boys were young and and they had a handle on how to play those games. Yeah, and um, and so my son at the time said, "Pop, man, I got I got up to the level. I saw you, and it's pretty pretty cool, pop." Check it out. So one day, I'm at home and uh, I'm playing it, <laughs> and I'm like five minutes in, and um, I'm trying to figure out what to do. And I see a car, a nice convertible, and it's being driven by these two old ladies. And I go, okay, that's an easy target right there. <laughs> so, so I go and I try to hijack the car from these two old ladies, <laughs> and they end up. And they end up fucking killing me and stabbing me up with their <laughs> The two old ladies killed you? 
Yeah, man, fuck me up, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. That is I never, awesome. I never, I never, I never went beyond. <laughs> that would be a rough start. Yeah, I don't know if I'd, I'd have the courage to play again after that. Yeah. Oh. No, I did. I, I didn't even. I didn't even make an attempt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, uh, well, what's what's really. You know, what's really crazy, too, with something like Vice City is uh, Vice City sold 5.9 million units making... Uh, making 50 bucks each. So yeah. $250 million. $250 million, and $300 million. that you're in there with is insane. Dennis Hopper, Burt Reynolds, Donald Sutherland, I Ray Liotta. Holy crap. I mean, it is nuts the people that they pulled together for that video game it's yeah. amazing yeah, yeah well you know i mean like those those games um they they take uh you know listen if, if it costs them 50 million to produce that they make in the hundreds and hundreds and yeah. hundreds of million dollars yeah. and, 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 and 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 it's a game do, do you, you just know, re- so, did you record like all your lines in a day or was is it a longer process for you how, how long did it take well, um, first you have to go into this green screen stuff, and they put all these dots on you, and you got to move around for them, so they can record your movement. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. And then, um, and then um, in a day, we did uh, all my recording. Yeah. Wow. Are, are there any photos of you in the in the in the ping pong ball outfit? Because that sounds hilarious. I think they're somewhere. <laughs> I think the correct word you're looking for is sexy. Sounds yes. sexy, Matt. <laughs> yes, uh, baby. Uh, we we appreciate you being on the show so much. Do you have uh, social media or anything that if people want to yeah, follow well, you? On, on on Twitter, it's uh, I am Luis Guzman. That's one word. On Instagram, it's Louis from the Hood, and that's L O U E Y from the Hood. And on uh, Facebook, it's just Louis Guzman. I love it. I love it. Uh, Mike Black, where can people find you? On all social media, at Mike Black Attack. I love it. Uh, what about you, Mr. Matt Walker? You can find links to everything at funnymat.com, or if you're upset by me in any way, let me know at mattwalkersucks.com. And people do. People yes. do hate you a lot. Uh, you can always get me at Stephen Glickman, S-T-P-H-E-N Glickman, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nighttime Show podcast. Uh, it is an absolute honor. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. I love the conversation. And um, keep doing what you yeah. do. Stay beautiful, stay safe, and stay healthy. You too, Thank man. you. You too. Take care. Oh.